Good morning. Stand and sing with us. Let's get made to worship. to see you worshiping here with us at Memorial, especially welcome to all our visitors, and we're glad to have you here and hope you feel welcome, and you want to worship with us and come back again soon sometime. Let's sing together Amazing Love. Himself of 
Somebody you don't know in your immediate neighborhood and greet someone. Children, we invite you to come up front. Children, we invite you to come up front to join us for a few moments of sharing. Good morning, guys. I bet if we said real loud good morning, then all the grown-ups would sit down. Can you say it with me? Can you say good morning? We're going to say it one. We'll say it real loud. Can we say it one, two, three? Ready? One, two, three. Good morning. That's right. That'll make all those grown-ups quiet, won't it? Okay. I want to talk to you about something today that's very exciting. All right. Um, Andy, can you click for me? Look up there. What is that up there? What is that? A crown. Who wears crowns? Yeah. Girls can wear crowns. Special kind of girls, though. What special kind of girls, though? What kind of girls? And you and boys can wear them too. Do kings wear crowns? Yeah. yeah. And queens can wear crowns. Yeah, you guys can wear crowns too. And kings and queens, they live in special places sometimes called camps called castles or palaces and special places and they get special things right and it I know you, you've got lots of queen kind of things at your house don't you? a queen a queen uniqua mm -hmm. okay listen to the story you ready okay so we've got kings and queens, and they live in special places like castles and palaces, and they get all kinds of special things, right? And it would be really, really fun to be a king or a queen, wouldn't it? Well, you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells well, you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that we need to be like, gee, look at Jesus right there. Is he wearing, what's he wearing on his head? It's kind of like a robe, isn't it? It's not really a crown. It's not really a crown. You know that Jesus didn't, hang on, Caitlin. Jesus didn't castle, and he didn't live in a palace, and he didn't wear a crown. So the Bible tells us we need to be like Jesus. You know what Jesus was? Jesus was a servant, okay? And the Bible tells us that we need to try, strive to be like Jesus and be humble and serve others and help the poor and help the sick and do all that we can to help other people just like Jesus did. God does tell us to be nice. That's right. And so we need to be nice just like Jesus. We don't have to be kings and queens, but we can be servants just like Jesus did. Okay? All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Ready? Let's say a prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for sending the perfect example down to earth, your son Jesus. And he wasn't a king or a queen with a crown, but he was a king to us. And he was a servant. Lord, thank you for that servant and help us strive to be like him every day. Amen.
It's good to see all of you. Glad that you're here. If you are a first, a first time visitor with us today, we do have something for you in the back. We'll invite you to, to take home with you. And there is, uh, yeah, David is holding up the mug back there. It is a, a Memorial Church mug, and first time visitors are invited to, to get those. Um, and inside, there will be a, a, a conglomeration of papers that has some information about um, the activities that are going on in the church and give you an introduction to what we're doing. If you'd like to stay for Sunday school, um, that is at the 10 o'clock hour. All children's and youth classes are in this building. A good many adult classes are also in this building, uh, although there are a few of them scattered other places. We'll be glad to help you find a way. And then we have our 11 o'clock traditional worship service in our sanctuary, and we um, invite you to remain for that as well. Christmas choir. All those who enjoy choral singing are invited to join our chancel choir in preparing music for the Christmas season. Rehearsals will begin Wednesday, October 1st. That's this week. 7.30 p.m. in our choir room in the Davenport building. So uh, if you'd like to make a short-term commitment to the um, uh, chancel choir that sings at 11 o'clock, here's your chance to do that and be a part of a special musical presentation at Christmas as well. We want to offer you an opportunity to share prayer concerns that you might have. Uh, I have to remind folks uh, that if you write something on the card, I will read it out loud in a minute. So you need to choose your words uh, appropriately. If you need a, a card to write a prayer request on, would you lift your hand and our ushers will be passing index cards out to you. Also coming your way in a few minutes will be an opportunity to register your attendance with our attendance uh, pads that will be coming along. The United Methodist Men's Group that uh, cooked pancakes about that big around the other night, humongous pancakes, uh, tremendous crowd turned out uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,000 was made on pancakes. Now, that's a lot of dough. <clears throat> uh, and a lot of you were uh, up to the plate, so you were batter up. Um, but anyway, it was, a, it was a, a wonderful night of fellowship as we enjoyed being around and, and uh, just talking with each other. And, and I think the men had a good time bumping into each other, throwing pancakes at each other and all kind of good things like that. And so we congratulate them on their, their good effort. What else we need to announce this morning? Good, come on. Two different children's choirs for Christmas. That's going to be exciting. Two different Christmas programs on successive weeks around uh, just right after Thanksgiving, so that's going to be fun also. Other announcements that we need to share? If not, I'll ask you to lift those cards up when you're done with them, and ushers, if you'll help us out by um, picking those up, we'll move to the time of prayer together. together. What kind of off-the-wall thing did I hear last night? Is Maine bracing for a hurricane? Is that not strange? <clears throat> Never heard of a Yankee hurricane before.
Did we get them all? Well, then let us join our hearts and our minds and our spirits in this time of prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for Jesus' example. We're grateful that you call us into partnership with you and as you and as your partners in faith, we should knowing that we are part of the process as we make known our needs to you, you move to meet these needs and to answer these prayers. We pray for comfort and healing for Mike and healing for Mike Berg and for Carl Reinick and for Liz. We pray for healing for Gracie, a five-year-old with lymphoma, for Christy battling alcoholism, and for a son named Ted with cancer surgery. We pray for troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. We give you thanks for a father's improved health. We pray for Michael as he gets some test results in these coming days. We pray for Martha Gibson's recovery from surgery. We pray for a friend going through course, especially for the children involved. We pray for our government leaders that they may make that they may make the best decision for the economy. We pray for a friend's mother. We pray for Barry Smiley Howell battling cancer. We pray for a mom. We pray for a mom with dementia. We pray for Pahaki High School football team and the family of one of the star players that was murdered yesterday. Pahoki is the next opponent for Burns, and so we do pray for these in their time of grief and need. These are our prayers through Jesus, prayers through Jesus our Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Here now our scripture lesson from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory 
of God the Father. Here ends the lesson. Pauline, Pauline poetry. That sounds like that ought to be a city in South Carolina. Pauline poetry, South Carolina. I have a poem for you this morning, and I especially dedicate this to uh, Dr. Weiss here on the front row. Or did he move? There he is. There he is. 56. I learned to write. Dot I's and T's to cross. My smile would be much brighter now if I'd also learned to floss. Thank you very much. That's a message to all children present. Floss them teeth. Uh, most of the time, you and I communicate in what we call prose, defined in the dictionary as the ordinary form of spoken language without metrical structure, matter of fact, commonplace, dull expression, quality, and discourse. Poetry, on the other hand, is defined as the art of rhythmical composition, written or spoken, for exciting pleasure by beautiful, imaginative, and elevated thoughts, for expressing the most beautiful ideas, the ultimate ideas in life, we often turn to poetry. Even the lyrics of our love songs are, are poems that have been set to music. It should not surprise us then to read the Bible and find out that that literary form is in the Bible. There is poetry there. And there are hymns in the Bible. When it comes to expressing something beautiful and wonderful about God, his grace and love, nothing common would do for the writers. They captured their ideas best in poetic form. And so whenever you are, so whenever you are studying the Bible and you see something set, and this passage we read a few minutes ago is set in most New Testaments looking like it's in a poem, even though it doesn't quite rhyme, it should uh, remind us to stop and realize that there's a reason that the writer used that form. There's something real important going on here. There's something that is a, a, a lofty expression that we need to take note of and perhaps even memorize. Paul was waxing poetical and telling us something that he hoped we would remember as we shared together in, in uh, Philippians 2. There we go. Uh, about the mind of Christ being in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Paul's poem speaks about the right attitude that we're supposed to have, the right attitude. Are you in your right mind today? Our mental attitude as we go about our lives is very important. We also are told to have the mind of Christ. We've had some very, very fine bishops in our annual conference during my lifetime. And since there were multiple Methodist preachers in my family, I was aware of bishops before most of you probably were. But I did get to know one of them uh, fairly closely. And that was because of my children. He liked my children. Uh, maybe he didn't like me, but he liked my children. And he was anxious to get them baptized. Bishop Roy Clark was his name, and uh, he was my bishop when I first started out, when I left being a student and an associate pastor to take my first appointment. And maybe that's why he took a special interest in us. 
I was young then and needing a lot of guidance. I'm old now and still need, still need lots of guidance. But uh, anyway, one of the things Bishop Clark did for us was to hold the Bishop's School of Ministry down at, the, down at the beach. And he spent the whole time talking about a shepherd, uh, first century shepherds especially. And since this was the model that Jesus used for his own ministry and for the, the church, Bishop Clark thought there was nothing better for us to do than to spend that week thinking about tending sheep. Now, he didn't talk a great deal that week about our jobs in the church, but he did talk a lot about what it was like to be a shepherd. Let this mind be in you, was his attitude, feeling that if we would learn about, uh, about shepherding, we would be better pastors. Sometimes sheep wander off and they don't come back by themselves a good shepherd has to know how to go after those lost sheep and making them feel welcome back in the flock. Bishop Clark really believed that if we understood what it was like to be a first century shepherd, we would be better pastors. He wanted that mind in us. Paul says to us, have the mind of Christ in you. Have the same mental attitude as you go through your life that's a whole lot deeper than simply saying, I wonder what Jesus would do, although that's okay too. But Paul is really asking us this question, what did Jesus think? And what did Jesus think? And how did he think? What motivated Paul is inviting us to learn to look out at the world through the eyes of Christ and the eyes of love and the eyes of faith. Jesus always found a way to uphold the integrity of moral law, and yet he always found a way to be gracious to those who had broken that law. The title Christian was originally used as a derogatory term, making fun of our ancestors. It meant little messiahs. Why, those first followers of Jesus think that they are little messiahs, it was said. How wonderful it would be, how wonderful it would be if we did think that. Just have to think about the things that we confront every day in life. How our lives would be more abundant if we took time to pursue the mind of Christ before we embark on our daily routines. Paul begins by saying that Jesus had the same form that God had. He was, of the same, he was of the same substance as God, as we say in the Creed. As I told my Alaskan travelers two years ago on our trip, when they would always wake up to see yet another whale and still another glacier, I would say, I've seen one. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. Paul is saying that to us about Jesus. If you wonder what God is like, in his heart, mind, and attitude, just look at Jesus. If you see one, you've seen them all. You know what God is like. And the same is true for the, for the Holy Spirit. Since we humans like power, wealth, and prestige, and since we like to exercise power and control over one another, we need to remember what Jesus' mental attitude was as he encountered that same temptation. The Son of God was was used to having power and wealth and prestige when he was in heaven, and yet 
he emptied himself of those things. Isn't that a fascinating term? He emptied, he poured it out as he took upon himself our nature. Having been one being with God since the beginning, the earthly Jesus didn't try to hang on to that power or equality with God that he'd always enjoyed. Instead, he poured all that out and filled himself up with servanthood, slavery, becoming subject to all the illnesses and fears and even death that we humans face. I find it fascinating that Paul says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to or exploited. Most of us, when given power and opportunity, will misuse that power. And that certainly has been true of kings and dictators throughout history. Some of my favorite science fiction shows like Star Trek and others have been on the theme of what happens to one of those good people when they are granted for a short time unconditional power to do all things and then told they can't use that power and they try to exercise discipline over themselves. Somehow Jesus managed to keep a lid on it to limit the power that he had so that others were blessed he never showed off his power. He never tried to gain popularity with his power. When Jesus was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter tried to defend him. The only disciple that came to Jesus' defense, defense with a sword. And Jesus stopped him. Don't you realize I could call on my father? And he would at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But Jesus was very careful not, not to exploit the power and position that was his. He only wanted love to be the power he displayed, and that's why he wanted people to follow or not follow him. I'm also fascinated by Paul's poetic assertion that Jesus emptied himself, poured himself out, emptying himself of all that power, prestige, and position, the one who spoke the universe into existence was found in a barn wrapped up in swaddling clothes, helplessly lying in a manger, totally dependent on human beings for everything. He gave it all up just so he could be one of us and with us. Jesus still pours himself out for you today. Have you ever poured yourself out? For someone else, emptying, your, emptying yourself of position or power so that you might befriend the friendless, the homeless, or the powerless. If we're to follow Jesus, we need to be willing to pour ourselves out. Well, here we go. My coffee buddy, Bishop Lloyd Cartwright, repeated a thought that was once preached by the great preacher Dwight L. Moody that there are three things that God can't do. Now think about this. Almighty God, three things he cannot do. He cannot lie. A little trickery there. Secondly, God cannot deny himself and be untrue to who he is. Thirdly, God cannot see sin when he looks through the blood of Jesus 
What good news that is. He doesn't see sin when he looks through the blood of Jesus. He see sin when he looks through the blood of Jesus. I find it helpful to see himself in our world. Any loving parent has to set limits on themselves so that their children may learn independence and self-sufficiency. Because we turn our children loose, they loose, they make a few mistakes as they grow up and they risk being hurt. But you know, we would do them even more harm if we hovered over them constantly and didn't. God set some limits for himself in our lives so that we might grow up. If he hovered too closely over us, he could harm us. That is why God gave us free will. And when he did that, he limited his will in your lives. And that's why bad things can happen to good people, why airplanes can fly into twin towers. For Jesus to be able to, for Jesus to, be able to take upon the form of a servant and serve to himself of his powers, and then the descent from heaven continued during his earthly life. Being totally human, he humbled himself even further, submitting himself to human frailties, learning obedience, finally experiencing not just any death, but the cruelest death ever devised by human beings for another. Jesus had to be able to feel our pain and to take on death for us, only then would he have the power to heal our hurts and to rise to life, raising us up with him. Now, because of his willingness to turn loose of his grasp on divinity and to accept humanity, because of his willingness to empty himself for us, God has exalted him greatly, giving him a name of highest respect above every other name. Even those who are of other religions, even those that may dislike the Christian church, find themselves attracted to Jesus of Nazareth. I think it was Mahatma Gandhi who once said that it's a pity that Christians don't practice what Jesus preached. Every time I watch a baseball game and I hear another baseball player enough of the border introduced as Yehu, or Yesu, somebody like Yesu Hulu, um, I remember that uh, there could be no greater name for a mother to give their child, their child, so that that's their hope, hope that that child might be helpful in this world like Jesus was. But that is not all. Paul says the knee will bend, acknowledging Jesus as Lord. Every knee in heaven and on earth and under earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. What hope that must have been to the early church and should be to us when we think of a Lord who was crucified and about people who are not listening to what we have to say. A day is coming, Paul promises, when Jesus will be universally accepted and praised. But as we used to sing in our call to worship here, we don't have to wait until then. One day every tongue will confess he is God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure, greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose. Have the same mental attitude. Hey, have the same mental attitude that Jesus had. He was God and yet he didn't exploit that position. Instead he emptied himself 
poured himself out for us, becoming a servant of all people, embracing humanity on the cross by dying on a cross. Therefore God raised him up, giving him a name up, giving him a name of respect above every name, and now is here when we can bend our knees to him and join everyone in acknowledging him as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. faith in God using the words of the Apostles Creed there on your screen and hopefully in your heart as well I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried the third day he rose from the dead he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory 
forth in peace having the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus in you that was in Christ Jesus as you pour yourself out you live in love with others Great week.